Good morning, and welcome to HR Examiner's Executive Conversations. I'm your host, John Sumter, and today we're going to be talking with Ed Donner, who is the founder and CEO of a company called Untap. It's sort of the post-job board equivalent of a job board in New York City, and we'll let Ed tell you all about it. Morning, Ed. How are you? Uh, good morning, John. I like the intro. I'm I'm doing great. So why don't you take a moment and really deeply introduce yourself? Tell us how you got here and what you're doing. Sure. So I I'm a I'm a tech person. I'm a software engineer by upbringing. Uh, I uh, I spent some time working in, in in various tech companies at a startup, and then most of my career I spent at J.P. Morgan, the bank where I started out as a coder building software for, for uh, trading systems, and then over time became uh, a manager running a group of about 300 software engineers in, in the uh, risk team. And, you know, of course, when you get to that point, the thing that makes or breaks your year every single year is whether or not you can hire the right people. And this is a, a, a total cliche, but hiring, hiring is difficult for everyone. Hiring is acutely painful in tech. I'm sure you hear that a lot, John. Um, it was it was just so, so difficult to find the software engineers that we needed, and I needed to hire 30 or 40 of them a, a year, uh, and, and it, was, it was just desperate. I used a ton of the different tech tools out there. I used a lot of recruiters that, that were, of course, quite expensive, uh, and I felt that there was a gap. I was running a team that was working on the machine learning uh, and, you know, the, the new wave of AI was starting to be a thing in 2013, the, the techniques that are now called deep learning. And I saw an opportunity to bring that kind of technology and apply it to the world of talent. So I quit JP Morgan and started Untapped in 2013. So, so why don't you give me a real deep run at um, what Untap does? Sure. So, so we're applying AI to the world of talent, and and what we've done is we've created created an algorithm which is essentially an AI version of a recruiter. It's able to look at the substance of of someone's profile, look at someone's resume. It's able to look at a job description. And it's able to figure out just from the information on those documents whether these two people should have a conversation. And it does that with nuance, with, with a lot of depth, not just by looking at keywords on the two documents. That's, that's at the heart of Untap. And so we're using that to help candidates find jobs where they're going to be happy and successful. And we're using it to help companies uh, attract, recruit, retain the right talent for their organizations. That's, that's really at the heart of what we do. We've got a couple of products. We've got a website that you can use to hire tech people at untap.com. Uh, since my specialty is, is technology, the, the website lets you post jobs in technology, hire people in technology, and behind the scenes, it's the algorithm that's doing the matching. And we also take our models and use them directly within corporations to solve problems about recruiting and retaining talent. So let's go a little bit deeper. I'm sure you know that, that, that my, my fundamental view is, is that 
the term AI is not powerfully useful. It tells you something about something, but it doesn't really tell you about the value that's generated. So, 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 would you mind talking a little bit more about the the details of the service and and if you didn't use the word AI in the whole answer, that would be huge. <laughs> First of all, you've, you've absolutely hit the nail on the head. So, so uh, completely agree with you. And I will only use the word AI in, in saying that it is a horribly hyped word. We use it ourselves because it's become such an important tagline to explain what, what sector we're in. But yeah, it's, it's become a buzzword. And when talking to people that are really a, a deeply embedded in the industry and know the stuff, it's more useful to say what it actually is. So what we're talking about here is the set of, of uh, techniques that are called deep learning, which is the state-of-the-art techniques, also called deep neural networks, that are able to look at unstructured data and are able to do things like matching different documents and do so with nuance. Do so by really understanding not just words, but understanding the context in which words are used. So to make that very concrete for you, uh, and again, I'm, I'm going to stick a bit in technology because it's, it's an area that, that, uh, that I know very well. Take, take someone who has a job like IT manager. That's one of those super ambiguous job titles that can mean a ton of different things. An IT manager could be someone that looks after a networking team. Sometimes people use IT to mean the kind of networking desktop support type of technology. Sometimes people say IT manager to refer to like a CTO type, a sort of organizational executive in charge of technology. Sometimes the IT manager can be a project manager who has a few software developers that work for them. So same, same sort of term very different meaning. Typically, the sort of search tools that you use today that you might find on a traditional job board or, or in, in, in uh, HR tech software will just take that keyword IT manager and match it up with IT manager jobs. The algorithms that we've built are able to look at IT manager, able to look at the, the context of how it's being used, and they're able to distinguish between those different types of, of specialty and match the right kind of IT manager up with the right kind of position. And that sounds sort of simple. It's in fact really, really, really hard. And it's why recruiters spend so much time sifting resumes. The, the average recruiter will spend about 14 hours a week just sifting through resumes because you have to read a resume, you have to really wrestle with what's the context, what does this actually mean, where, where is this person positioned before you figure out where they can be matched. So what we've built is a way to do that automatically and in a matter of milliseconds, not, not something that takes 14 hours of, of a week. So there's a, there's a, a um, stampede of offering new forms of matching um, from Google, who, who is doing something that sounds awfully similar to what you're doing, to IBM, to, oh, I don't know, 30 or 40 um, Silicon Valley startups that 
that have this sense that they're the only people doing the matching. What makes you different? Uh, that's a great question. So the Google offering in particular is worth explaining a bit. Google's Cloud Jobs API, which is the name of that, that product in, 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 uh, um, in this area, is something which lets you search through a set of candidates or search through a set of jobs given a piece of text. So you could type out uh, CFO and it will match up uh, CFOs and chief financial officers and others. But it's very much the ability to search through sets of candidates or search through sets of jobs. Uh, now, that's, uh, in some ways, it's a subtle difference, but it's an important difference. It's a difference from matching, which is what we do. With our algorithm, you have a job description. You have an actual description of what someone is going to do in their job, and it's able to look through resumes and find the people that will be best for that particular job. It's like a, a big step further. And we've trained our algorithm based on people who have been successful in that job. So it's really not just a sort of tool to assist a recruiter, but it's really taking that whole part of the resume sifting uh, away from the recruiter and helping them focus on what they're, they're really good at, which is the people relationship side. So let's let's poke at that a little bit. You you've trained the the system on people who are good at the job. How in the world do you know that? So it actually depends on on the different use cases that we use our software for the public marketplace. We've trained it just on the people that that get uh, invited to interview. So that's a simpler step, and we're just trying to uh, we in our marketplace we measure where a manager has invited someone into interview. And we take that as a training data point. Um, and so we're able to predict whether or not someone's likely to be invited to interview. And as a result of that, of the candidates that we put forward to a manager, about 40% of them today get invited to interview, which is actually, that, that's a fantastic stat and is, is, uh, is uh, uh, way above the, the industry averages. Um, for some of the... the uh, uh, Use cases where we're working directly with companies to use our software inside the firm, we're training based on the organization's data, based on their data on who are the people who've stayed with the firm for the couple of years, who are the people that are the high performers at the organization. And so by being able to train on that kind of data, we're able to build bespoke models that apply just for that organization and that can be uh, uh, predictors of, of who they should be talking to that are most likely to be happy and successful in the organization. You, you know, you've got to get asked this all the time. Given, given the fact that Amazon couldn't er, erase the bias <laughs> from their data and, and, that, and that you use as a primary signal um, um, hiring manager input, how the hell do you keep bias out of this? Oh, it's a great question. I, I, I have to admit, I was listening to your podcast from, I think, a couple of weeks ago uh, with Mark Rind, the uh, ADP chief data scientist, which was fascinating. And I, I heard you guys talking about this very point and sort of tabling it. So I was hoping you'd bring it up, but I'd love to talk about it. Uh, yeah, it's obviously super important issue. We, we, we think a lot about it. We're, we're very focused on 
uh, uh, bias and recruitment algorithms in our in our algorithms. It's 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 extremely important. Um, and there are a few steps to the answer. The first answer would be the same answer that that you and Mark discussed, which is of course. The first step to reducing bias in algorithms is to make sure you don't feed in the, uh, the, the basic data like the name, the age, the gender, which the algorithm could use to, to sort of uh, be influenced by. And the, there was a famous study, I think, more than 10 years ago now, where a, a batch of identical resumes were sent. One of them had traditionally African-American names, one of them had traditionally white names, and the African-American named resumes were called back 50% less often, which is absolutely shocking. So, of course, holding back name, gender, and so on is a way to, to reduce bias. But as, as the Amazon example made clear, that doesn't eliminate bias because there are other things that an algorithm could potentially latch onto in the content of a resume, um, which could allow it to, to become trained. For example, someone goes to, a, to an, uh, an all-boys school, or someone uh, was part of the, the uh, women's chess club, or, or something like that. Um, so the question is, how do, you, how do you get further down the line to actually trying to eliminate bias? And I think you, you felt that, that that's, uh, that's not a possibility. So I want a chance to try and convince you otherwise. I, uh, I think that the ultimate solution is to move from training the algorithm based on interview decisions to moving the algorithm based on happiness and success in the organization, which is what we're doing when we embed our algorithm in, in organizations. If the algorithm is trained, based on what it takes to actually be successful in the organization, then, then, then that, of course, is eliminating biases at the hiring point. Now, of course, you can still make the point that there's other, there's problems, perhaps, with bias in companies' culture that could affect who gets promoted in the company and so on. And that's then another problem that needs to be tackled. The, the, uh, um, and we actually have some, uh, some work that we're doing related to that as well. But certainly in terms of bias in the recruitment process, if you're able to train your models based on ultimate success, that should, I, I think, be the path to eliminating that bias. You're listening to HR Examiner's Executive Conversations. Benefit Ed helps your workforce get the most out of your employer match program. Employee Choice, offered exclusively by Benefit Ed, enables employees to decide if they want their employer match contributions to be allocated to student loan repayment, retirement, or both. Increase plan participation and offer an innovative benefit without a drastic increase to overall benefit spend. Compete for the best and build your dream team. Learn more at ubenefited.com slash hrx. That's y-o-u-benefited.com slash hrx. What do you think? Well, just, uh, um, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, let me ask you, why, why not? What's, what's your, uh, what, what, where do you feel uncomfortable with that line of reasoning? Well, well, so so what you're saying, I'm going to come at it a couple ways. What you're saying is yeah. that you can put some aspects of the hiring process um, in a clean room um, and keep it free from um, um, contaminants inside of the clean room. 
And then at some point in time, you have to let it out of the clean room. And your claim is that bias exists in in the organization in a way that keeping it in the clean room does something to it. And and, and I would say that that um, that's a fanciful view of bias. That's 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 just a fanciful view of bias. That 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 what happens when you take it out of the clean room is it encounters the organization. And so nobody's going to let you make the hiring decision. So, so whatever it takes, the, the, the time when this, this sort of, if you put your hands over your eyes, you won't see that the person you're talking to is a woman or black or disabled or whatever the, the categories are, um, um, you don't do very good interviews with your hands over your eyes. And so at oh, the moment yeah, the interview yeah, yeah. happens, the bias enters. At the moment, there are all sorts of things. You know, I've, I've been involved this week in, in lengthy political discussions with friends who were extremely disappointed with, with what happened in the election because they don't think things are going to change. Now, I, I was buoyed by what happened in the, in the uh, election, and, and so I, I've been trying to figure out the difference between my perception and theirs and it turns out that we come from radically different realities. I am not um, a successful black man living in New York. And I am not a housewife living in St. Louis. And those views of the world are powerful and integral and really different from mine. Um, and uh, they are expressed in every nuance of of my friends' um, um, worldview and belief system. So, so my sense is that every single word and phrase in their descriptions of themselves contain information about who they are, which is why recruiters parse resumes so hard, and you can't scrub that out. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think uh, that's perhaps a uh, a bolder claim than I was trying to make. Uh, the algorithms that we have are being used to uh, suggest which people uh, the recruiter should bring in for interview. The face-to-face -face interview still needs to happen, and then other kinds of biases may, of course, be introduced. And that's that's I'm not I'm not making a claim that 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 part of the process could could uh, have have bias reduced or eliminated. I'm purely focused on the algorithm that's being used to uh, to propose which people uh, get get introduced in the first place to move on to so the that, next step. And I'm saying yeah, if you so that's train like a, that. Yeah, yeah, that's like our self-driving car doesn't run over people as long as you don't take it to a place where there are people. Uh, <laughs> so, so I suppose you can make the claim that there's no bias in the process, but but then you get to so what? Yeah, I suppose we're back to saying the the so what the goal is to do this incredibly effective job at sifting resumes to make sure that people's time are being spent having good conversations with the right kinds of people. And if the goal of the algorithm is to improve that sifting time so the right people are being put in front of the, the, the manager, and the way the algorithm is being trained is not based on hiring decisions, but based on success decisions, then I think that's a real opportunity to improve, speed up, 
um, focus the hiring process on on the real relationships and people conversations, take out some of the inefficiencies without introducing new biases, without exacerbating uh, biases in the interview process, because it's being trained based on success of the organization. That's that's the claim. Okay, well, that's I, I think that's powerful. I, my my guess is that is that as time goes on, your your explanation of that process will evolve because what what you've said is is what we're going to do is deliver into the bias of the organization, right? We want to deliver what constitutes success, and and that's where Amazon ran into its problem. Right, as long as they were using the organization as a benchmark, they couldn't eliminate the bias. Yeah. Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> we might get into the same uh, point as Mark. As, as uh, this would this would take longer. I think that the main the issue is that by training on the interview decisions, they were exacerbating problems with uh, things like the, the the sort of the women's chess club style example. Um, if you're training on decisions of the people who are successful in the organization, you can further do things like select a distribution of people that is a balanced distribution um, and uh, of, of uh, data points that are being used for the training and use that as a way to make sure that, that the, uh, uh, the successful data points um, have the right kind of representation. So there are a bunch of techniques you can use to, to make sure that this resume sifting process is something that is well balanced. Um, well, I'd say, see, and I think that's a powerful, that's a really powerful story, right? Because you're, you're there you're not saying that you eliminate bias. You're not making the claim that you eliminate bias. You're saying we can control bias in the direction that you want it to go. Sure, sure. Um, sure. Right, right, and yep. and and that's that's way more intentional. It's way more useful, and it is way more like actually running a business than running a clean room. And so, so I'd encourage you to run down that road. Um, what are you seeing competitively? Who who do you who do you go up against? Well, that's a that's a good question. It's it's uh, a lot of people talk about uh, the HR tech space as being very crowded, and. I think that that uh, it's actually that the HR technology space is very ambiguous. It's uh, there's a lot of fuzziness because there's a lot of companies that are pitching slightly different propositions with some overlap, and it's kind of hard to to tell them apart and to uh, to really be able to to uh, to understand them. So to kind of um, Dimension our space a bit. I'd say if, if uh, I can use the, uh, the the dreaded word AI again, uh, I would say that there's three types of companies that are in the sort of AI uh, in recruitment space. One type is related to sourcing and engaging candidates, and these are companies that are using uh, AI chatbots, ways to automate the the uh, uh, the the engagement, the outreach with candidates. I think Alio is a, is a great example of that. Uh, one category is the companies that are using AI as a way of assessing uh, and testing candidates. Uh, Pymetrics would be a good example of, of that category um, and uh, uh, a, a bunch of other related companies. The third category is our space, which is in the, the world of matching and fit. Um, 
and there's there's a, a few other companies that, that are that are in that space in different ways. Um, and uh, I think what sets us apart is that we are the ones that are so focused on using deep learning, this this state of the art AI technique that's you know the same that the, the stuff that's behind the Siri and and Alexa and driverless cars, as you said. Um, we're focused on using that technique in the world of AI matching to, to be able to do it with, with nuance. So that's really how we, we set ourselves apart from others uh, working in, in, the, in uh, AI in talent. So quickly, and, and this, is, this is like many things in our conversation, that this is not a quick topic, but, but what do you think <laughs> the ethical issues are with, with um, your offering? Well, the main one is the the uh, the one that we've already covered in some detail, which uh, of course is is bias. Uh, another one that's that's very interesting. I'm I'm not sure if this is an ethical issue or just just a sort of a hot topic of debate. Is the the headline question of is AI are uh, uh, robots taking away our jobs? Uh, Seventy-two percent of Americans right now are concerned about the effect of AI on the job market. Uh, and uh, you know, it, it, it's obviously something that's that's very much uh, topical. Um, I I have a contrarian view. I'm an optimist. I'm part of the 28 percent, I guess. Uh, the I think the job market will change dramatically, of course, uh, in the next uh, five years as a result of of AI automation. I think that jobs will be redefined. That, that in many ways we'll need to start thinking about breaking up the jobs we have today into the what 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 constitutes them, the tasks underneath jobs, and thinking about how that will be, which pieces will end up being automated and which pieces will not. Uh, ultimately, I think the kind of work that we do will be elevated and enriched by the the uh, the, the uh, ability to to introduce AI, and there can be no simpler example than than recruitment itself uh, than than the work the, the work that we do where i see that as i said uh, such a large amount of a recruiter's time today is spent doing uh, resume sifting and and uh, many recruiters i talk to talk about the fatigue they have reading similar bullets again and again if that could be taken away the time that they could spend actually building relationships, actually working with people on their careers, dealing with the, 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 the people side of the recruitment business would be so much greater. And, and uh, that, that introduces all sorts of new opportunities. So that's, uh, don't know if you call that an ethical issue, but that's probably the one that, that, that I would mention. That's fantastic. So, so we have blasted two together. Um, what do you want a, a listener to take away from the conversation? Well, I think uh, there's there's a famous Gallup poll result, the, the Gallup employee crisis, engagement crisis result that, that says that across the world, uh, only 13% of people are happy and engaged, inspired in what they do day to day. And that's another of these horrific kinds of stats. And of the the people that we've spoken to that have gotten new jobs through the use of our AI, uh, as of today, it's about 96% uh, that, that have told us that, that they are uh, 
happy and engaged, which is a nice, that's a, that's a good step change. So I think there is an enormous opportunity to be doing more about putting the right people in the right jobs where they are happy and successful and productive. And that's what we plan to do. Fantastic. So take a moment and reintroduce yourself and tell people how they might get a hold of you. Thank you, John. Uh, so I'm Ed Donner, D-O-N-N-E-R. My, uh, I'm the uh, co-founder and CEO of Untapped. My email address is ed at untapped.com, U-N-T-A-P-T. Uh, and my Twitter handle is Edward Donner, D-O-N-N-E-R. Uh, and I would say that we are growing a lot. We are very interested in hiring people who are excited and, and, and by, by this, uh, this technology and, and making, a, uh, making their mark in this, in this area. So if you're interested, please reach out to me. And if you're interested in talking about uh, deep learning or debating uh, issues like bias in algorithms, always love doing that. Please, please reach out. And thanks to everyone that stayed on till the end. And, and uh, thank you, John, for hosting me. It's been good having you today. You're listening to HR Examiner's Executive Conversations. Benefit Ed helps your workforce get the most out of your employer match program. Employee Choice, offered exclusively by Benefit Ed, enables employees to decide if they want their employer match contributions to be allocated to student loan repayment, retirement, or both. Increase plan participation and offer an innovative benefit without a drastic increase to overall benefit spend. Compete for the best and build your dream team. Learn more at ubenefited.com slash hrx. That's y-o-u-benefited.com slash hrx. And thanks again, Ed, for being with us. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. We'll see you back here next week. Bye-bye now. Mm-hmm.